0: Reason why um, I'm up here um, again this morning is Pastor David, as you as you know, Tiffany um, enjoyed the fullness of hiking, um, and uh, she's she's healing up from surgery. And I talked to David yesterday yesterday morning, and he has embraced his new role as nurse. And uh, you know, I think I. I, I There's just something about when we care for each other that I think oftentimes we grow. And we pray for Tiffany, um, for her healing. Um, I know Jenna, her, her ankle and foot, I know others have. And, uh, you know, just the, the nature of going through this life. Um, so at the end of this sermon, I would just like to just pray a special prayer that God would put his, you know, his protection and healing on this. This morning, we're going to do two things. Um, when I talked with David, um, he asked me to, to give a message um, on some of the things I do when I approach the study of the Scriptures. So that's one-fold, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a Scripture, and we're going to do that, but then I also want to really show you the conclusion of that Scripture. Not the conclusion, of, but what the Lord's doing in my life through this. And if you have your Bibles, open it up to the book of James. And I'm going to do something, and, and again, I'm going to do something just because the, the, the title of the sermon is Feasting um, on the Word of God. So I'm going to ask, if you can, if you can't, you can't. Um, and believe me, I, I know this because um, I broke my foot in 2020. That's how my 2020 started. Um, in January, but can we just all stand for the reading of the Word of God? James chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Do not, be, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Father, bless your word. Please use this servant to only speak your words. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Many years ago, in 1992, I enrolled um, at Multnomah School of the Bible, Um. Didn't really know much about the Bible, just knew that I wanted to study it. And I spent four years in a lot of classes um, with a lot of friends and um, a lot of professors that some of them were eccentric, some of them it was hard to stay awake. But then again, when you have eight o'clock in the morning classes, um, but got a chance to feast on the Word of God. And, and, and if you, if, you know, in those four years' time, I was exposed to so much truth that it didn't all stick. However, I have found that over the years, the Lord has brought back to my attention that which was given to me long ago. And this morning, I want to talk about just some things I do when I approach to study the Word of God. Now, I'm going to give this disclaimer that I'm not saying my way is the only way or the best way. I do think there are some things about what I do that the Lord has taught me that are absolutely necessary. But I also, as a school teacher by by trade, I also realize that we all have different learning styles. Did you guys know? We know that. I tend to be an auditory learner, which means I'm the first person to raise my hand in a class, and I need to contribute, and auditory learners oftentimes need to, you know, sort of, you know, let others talk and this and that. I've got students right now that they work with their hands, and if they're not doing something with their hands, they just don't learn the material. I have some that literally, they've just got to discuss and discuss and discuss. God made us all different. Did you ever notice that Jesus taught in so many different methods and ways? And as we approach scripture, the title of the sermon is called Feasting on the Word. And I like the word feasting because that means food. (laughs) But notice what Jesus said in the first temptation with Satan. It is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's the first thing that Satan tempted our Lord with was turn these stones into bread and Jesus had not eaten for 40 days. And yet the very first temptation and the very first response from our Lord was, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God. Folks, I will tell you 100 categorically, I've lived long enough to know that I would rather starve and not have physical food and go without physical food if that meant I got to have Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that out of cliche, I'm saying that because I will tell you this, I don't want to go, ever go back to have that deep, dark feeling that I'm lost. And don't misunderstand me, I like a good pizza too. <laughs> It's true. All right. Oh, let me put my hair back on. All right. Um, Now, when I approach the Word of God, I'm going to label this down into into, um, four Ps, you know, because it it helps me remember. But I want to start off with some beliefs about the Bible first. Number one, This book contains 66 books that were given over 1,300 years, written by over 40 human authors, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And you may ask, why is that important? Ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't done by a committee in a smoke-filled room. It was given over a large passage of time. It was not given to one person, but over 40 who did not live to siege. All of them did. They didn't live in the same era. And yet the other thing is, this is one book with 66 installments. But make no mistake about it. It is one book. And the common theme through everything is Jesus Christ. You study the scriptures and what you will find is that the things in this book that are predicted in time that were fulfilled centuries later, you can't make this up. The author had to be outside of time. The Romans didn't even invent crucifixion until the sixth century before Christ. And yet David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said he will be pierced for our transgressions. The Roman Empire hadn't even been founded yet, the city of Rome in 753 BC. It's uncanny. The other thing, too, is in this book is what we need for life and godliness. It's what we need in this life to make sense of our existence, to live in accordance with the will of God. Even though this book doesn't contain every piece of knowledge, when I learn something new in history or something new in science, I filter it through what the truths of the scriptures are so that that information is, makes sense and it is truthful information applied correctly. Does, okay? Every one of us, every one of us, are all learning the same learning targets. I know I use teacher lingo, but it's part of my training. We all have the same learning targets that we're trying to learn. However, we are all on individual education processes. Your life where you are is not where I am right now. I'm 51, almost 52, and yet I have daughters who are 17 going on 18, and notice that what I'm learning at my age may not be the lessons they're being taught. The learning targets are the same. Grow in Jesus Christ into creatures of love of God and loving people. But we're at different places. We need to understand that. And we have, the final thing I'm gonna say is, we have the greatest teacher the Holy Spirit, who can differentiate far better than any human teacher. The Lord made it clear in the Gospels, I must go away, and this is for your benefit. And you know the disciples were like, what do you mean you're leaving? And they said, if I don't go away, the paracletos, the helper, will not come, and he will guide you in all truth. That includes truth about God, but also truth about who we are in him. I am firmly convinced that if we approach the scriptures correctly, God will move in our lives. Because he will, because he said he would. And if you don't, if God doesn't keep his word, then we're really in trouble. And by the way, God does not play favorites with his children. Anyone who comes will be taught by him. So all of that is to say to the first P, the preparation for the study of the Word of God. I do a couple of things um, that I do, just some practical things. It's number one, um, and if I bring up myself, I'm not trying to say I'm more spiritually. No, 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 no. That's no. I'm just saying this is how I do it. I have to make time. Life's busy but I've got to block out time where it's me and the word of God. Because if I don't, it won't happen. A new word I love to use a lot is intentional. If this is everything I just said it is, I've got to be intentional. The second thing in preparation is I like to nest. So when I go to study the scriptures, I will sometimes, I've got three different places I go. I've got a very quiet place I go underneath the stairs. I have a place upstairs, sometimes I'll do that. Or I go to Starbucks into a certain place, into a certain chair. And when I, like, I'll give an example of Starbucks. The first thing I do is I get my coffee, I pull out my colored pencils, I pull out my Bible, I get non-lyrical music. Sometimes to the soundtrack of Braveheart, sometimes to Narnia, sometimes to Gladio. Bear with me. This is me. But I get in the zone to say, I am, I'm nesting. To me, I want to be comfortable in this and that. And I do that. I'm ready to hear and read from the creator of the universe. I've also recently, and there's nothing wrong with digital. I mean, look, I I, I have more digital stuff than, than most people, but recently I've switched back to a paper Bible, probably because I'm getting older. Um, partly is I like writing in pencil. I always use pencil because pen, pencil you can erase, and I got mechanical colored pencils, and I go through and I write notes and I write. This is this is it, it's 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 a part of me. So there's some practical things that I do. We're all different. Some of us just would love our our phone and to do things. I know that's fine. The other thing that I do, and I'm going to read this out um, and and this and that because this is this, unless I really did bad on the grammar, but here, let me just say this. And I don't pray that I, I, this is what I'm, what I'm saying here is this is like my, what I want my heart attitude to be. Lord, help me to be teachable, meek, and humble. I want to know you, the triune God, who is one, made visible by Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, guide and illumine the word to my soul. Do surgery on me, piercing the division of my soul and spirit, joints and marrow, to reveal the thoughts and intents of my heart, so that I may be healed if something is not good. Give me a soft heart. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Take me through the written word so that I may know the living word. Now I don't say this prayer, but generally do you get the idea of what my adi- what I try to be. And it's not always been this way. And there are there sometimes that when I sit down, I have to just sit there for a second and say I need to prepare my heart. I've learned this about teaching. If students come to me prepared, ready to learn, I can be the best teacher that they've ever had in the classroom. If they don't come prepared, I'm really limited in what I can do. So I always tell my learners something very important. Be present. It's the old story of the husband and wife driving the car and. uh, The wife, after 50 years of marriage, says to the husband, we used to sit really close together. Why are we sitting so far apart now? And he goes, well, sweetie, I've always been the driver, and I haven't moved. You know, in James 4, it says, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. The other thing, too, is do you, I want to pose a question to you but I pose this to myself. Do I really believe that this is the word of God, that the spirit of God wants to me to encounter this, to change and transform me? Do I really believe that? Because if that's that's true and I believe that, this book is not like any other book because this one is written by God. You see, we often say in sermons, and I do it, Paul says, that is true, Paul did write that, but let's make no mistake, the Holy Spirit wrote that. Paul just happened to be the hand that was used. And the words of Christ being in red, last time I read, he is the entire word of God. This is a supernatural book. And by the way, you study this, if you're ever a doubter, is Jesus Christ who he really is? Let me just say this to you real quick get off of YouTube and don't listen to the people that don't know what they're talking about. Yes. Who think they're experts in something that they have not really sat down and studied. And talk to people who could show you place to place fulfillment, prophecy, fulfillment. He must be outside of time. It always amazes me that people go on YouTube and become an expert in the scriptures. I would never dream of doing that with a book of physics. I read the first chapter. I'm an expert. Really? That plane's going down. And yet, do we apply? It it just, it really is. I'm not saying everybody on YouTube do, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But I read an article today written by somebody who used the words of Jesus in their argument, and I sat there going, they don't understand a thing they just wrote. And they put it out there for the world to see. And they misuse scripture. So, again, this is a powerful book. So preparation. Holy Spirit, guide me. This is look. This is not just an academic exercise. See, that was one of the dangers of going to Bible college. Is it would be a very sad thing if the Bible became a textbook. But there is academics involved because the Lord says one of the very first things that you add to your faith is knowledge. But it's relational. It is both academic and relational. Just like if you go on the first date with somebody, it's academic and you're hoping it's relational. But isn't usually the first date just, hey, who are you? What's your favorite color? What do you like to eat? What you're doing is you're acquiring factual information about the person that you're trying to determine whether or not you want to pursue to have a what? It's both. It's both. Holy Spirit, teach me. Slide two, the passage, where to go in the passage. Well, this is very, very interesting for me, because I will tell you this, about seven years ago, the Lord kept impressing upon me, I want you in the Psalms to learn something. So I went to the Psalms, and there I learned the fundamental truth. Why David was a man after God's own heart, because David believed and trusted in the character of God. He trusted God. I also learned to become a better prayer. That was one. So the Lord's done different, you can will do that, but here's the thing. I trust the Lord will guide you, and if you don't know where to go and get started, ask somebody. It is a big book. But the neat thing about it is, what a treasure trove. What a treasure trove. And it's not just looking through a book. You're, you're really studying the creator of the universe. You, I mean, sign me up. Forget Hawaii. That's better. The creator of Hawaii. I'm after that. So let's look at the passage. And I'll show you some things that, that I do when I go to the passage. Okay, so James 1:16, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every um, perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Okay, I'm going to go quick here, but typically what I do is I make observations and questions first. I pull out a sheet of paper or my iPad and I start writing questions down. Or when I say observations, what do I see? And I should start tearing the text apart. And can I get one more thing out of the way here? Well, Glenn, I'm I'm not not that smart. Hold it, time out. Did the Lord tell us to feast on his word? And if he tells us to do something, we got to get this notion that has nothing to do with how gifted we may be with language or anything like that. Because I got news for you. The Holy Spirit is smarter than any scholar, and I know some scholars that you got what from that? Where'd you go to school? I mean, seriously, like really? You anyway. I make observations and I ask questions, and just start noodling. And for instance, uh, here's a few observations and a few questions. Um, about this passage. Number one, I am warned not to be deceived. Okay. Deceived about what is my next question. What deception am I to be on alert about? I need to answer that in this passage. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Every good and what? Perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. I want to pursue that a little bit. He does not change and is full of no deception. So I learned something about this father of lights. There's no shadow of turning with him. Get it where the hymnist got it? He he doesn't change. Oh, thank you. Too many people in my life have changed, but God won't. Good and perfect comes from the father. Why does it say good and perfect and not everything? Hmm. So do you see what I'm doing there? I'm just asking some questions. Now, I'm going to give you something that, is, that we all probably know, but it's extremely important. The verses in the Bible were added a thousand years after our Lord. And they were added there just so that we could be on the same page in the same place and find things. They're very, very helpful. They are not Scripture. we must apply something critical in the passage, one of the laws of the universe, context. Words and thoughts derive their meaning from context. We derive the meaning of our lives from the context of our Lord Jesus Christ. Context, context, context. How many times have you heard in your life, and this is rhetorical, that someone said a verse and it was taken out of context and did damage. Context. So if I go to James and I go back up here and I go up to the context, let me read the the context of this. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say he is tempted. I am tempted by God. Hmm, I'm receiving temptation. Wait a minute. That's not a good thing. Therefore, it must not come from who? The Father of lights. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. I think we would, I think most of us would realize that if we fell into temptation, it typically, we were tempted by the enemy, but a lot of times it just comes from us. The heart is deceitfully wicked and broken. The heart is deceitful and wicked above all else who can what? Know it. Not you, not I can know the depths of our own hearts, but he can. Then this. Enticed. Then when desire has been conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brother, beloved brother. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Okay, now do you see those verses are in context? You're being tempted, you're going to be, by the world, your flesh, and by the enemy. Notice James talks a lot that in being tempted, though, God is actually working out good in our lives as we go through those temptations and have victory. Boy, what a powerful God. I mean, didn't Joseph get arrested, thrown into a pit by his brothers, go to Egypt, face some horrible temptations, and then all of a sudden at the end, Joseph says to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God used for what? Good. And that's a powerful God that can take that which is not good, and turn it into our blessing. Sign me up to worship that creator. Now, as I go through this context, I look at it, I ask questions. The other thing too is, I'm not quick to move to another place. I want to get this. If the Lord's saying, this is where I want, I want to do this. I use the the mind that I've been given, and I'll just say this the more that I've done this over the years, the better I have become at it because that's just the way it happens. You say, well, I'm not very good at that. You're only going to get better. You have a brain. I have a brain. We have the Spirit of God. Start noodling. Okay, so that's the passage. Now, listen. Yes, sometimes you're going to have to look up words. Words have meanings in context, and you do all this, and you start tearing it apart, and you start looking. Here are my observations. Here are my questions. What truths do I begin to see? And I'm going to pull one out here in just, in just a second. So you go through the passage. Take notes. Pull out a journal. What, what I like to do, and this is just me, okay? I switched to a format of the Bible where there's wide margins. I I like to take notes. It's just me. Um, I can't read my writing, so I've had to work on that. Um, But I I like to take notes. I like to write down. And I'm going to tell you that we know this now, that when we write things down with with, with our hands, it actually helps some of us learn better because it's involving more of our whole being. Um, in doing this. Now, next, protection. I know that my mind, and I'm not always the smartest chap in the room. Very rarely I am. And I know that I don't always see things perfectly. So the Spirit of God has also told me that if I'm looking at something and I have questions, can I go ask other people that I trust? Sometimes academics, we would say that I have a program, we talk about commentaries. You, get, you know what those are. And commentaries, and I typically, for instance, if I'm in the Psalms, the first person I go to to read about what he wrote was Charles Haddon Spurgeon, The Treasury of David. Um, But I also talk to, in my life, I've got people in my life that I will ask questions of. Dr. David, Pastor David, my wife. Not my dog, though. He just wants my food. But I ask questions. Am I seeing this right? Or, ready? You're seeing it this way, but they may add something that I may not have seen. Because after all, we're to help each other. The, look, the Lord put us in churches and bodies because none of us have been given every good and perfect gift. Therefore, we need each other. Unfortunately, in our culture, we've elevated a few gifts up here, and a lot of people don't think that they're gifted enough to do things because we've elevated... no. I, there was a person in here, and I've mentioned this before, who said something at one of those share times on a Sunday morning, 1 Corinthians 14, that changed, that, 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 it was that moment the Lord says, you're headed for a moment that you're going to be changed in a few years, but it starts with that thought. That was one of the most powerful Sundays I've ever seen. Does the scripture not also say that we are to go to each other with spiritual songs and hymns and psalms, right? What are psalms? Written out things about God and our journey with him. Every one of us is an image bearer of the Lord. We do not yet know where we will end up. We know where we'll end up with the Lord, but we do not see ourselves glorified yet or anything like that. And what we've got to understand is any time that you talk to another human being about Jesus Christ, you are talking to the image bearer of the creator of the universe. And God is not about quantity. He is about quality. I found out yesterday morning that many, many years ago, Somebody at a, at a college put out some Christian books way before I was born. Just put them out there in case someone read them. Somebody picked it up. They read it in one sitting and got saved. That person in time. I would not be standing here without the Lord using that person in my life. The Lord is... Now, the Lord can use anybody. What I'm saying is the Lord used that person in my journey which means that one person that put those books out not only impacted that one person, but I know that one person has impacted many. Do you see how that works? All of us are important. All of us. Not some of us. Protection also means that I want to make sure that what I teach and what I learn and what I what I tell myself, I want to make sure I tell myself truth. I, I, I need the protection. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you do there? Lord, make sure I, I see this right. I need to, okay. Here's the other one. does the thing i'm learning violate the character of god you see if it violates the character of a god then i have not understood it correctly because everything goes back to the character of god everything our entire existence god is love therefore the father sent his what son Are we glad that God's not going to change from being the God of love? Finally, the purpose. Well, and this is where I want to go to James chapter 1, 16 through 7 to really talk to you about what that passage really, really, I, I pulled from it. Jesus said the two greatest commandments in Scripture are the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Notice he said mind. And the love your neighbor as your what? So, okay. The Ten Commandments were given to show us that we need a Savior. But you don't, you don't grow Christ by trying to stop sinning you grow in Christ by learning to be a creature that loves God with everything you have and loves people and by doing that you will stop certain things because love doesn't do that if I love my wife I'm not going to do certain things and I'll begin to even forget about those things because I'm all set about loving her God wants us to become creatures of love. So when I approach scripture, this is it's very personal here. Is I'm approaching it because I want to be transformed. I know in my own story what it was like to be lost and the pain of depression and the anxiety and the fear. The rejection, the loneliness. I know I remember and I want to be healed from all that I believed about the lies of the enemy and this fallen, wicked world. And every truth that displaces a lie in my soul is a mark of healing for my life. I want to be changed. Why? I want to become a creature of love that loves God with everything I have and loves people as I love myself because I know that love, they'll know you're my followers if you have love for one another. And I will tell you this. When I approach the scripture with the ways I'm talking about, I can testify that the Holy Spirit and the power of God began to change me, and I have a lot more to do. I am not going to stand up here and say, I've arrived yet. No, I've got a lot more to do. My wife will testify about that. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this, that I know Jesus Christ loves me, and I have a Father in heaven. God has done such a wonderful work in me that you can have all the money in the world. I'm keeping that. Now, please pray for me that I remain this way. Boy, do I have a lot more to learn. One of the things that was very helpful for me, I say this, conviction for transformation. Do you understand that when God convicts It's different than when the accuser accuses you. Satan means the the adversary, the accuser. You see, when God convicts, the purpose of conviction is to get you to see the truth so that you can repent. Why does God want you to repent? It's not because he's a cosmic killjoy. It's because you're dealing with death and he wants you in life. You see, it goes back to the character of God. And how do you learn about the character of God? His what? His word that he gave over a very long period of time so that you could see him working out in David, in Solomon, in Moses, in Ruth. Oh, I love Ruth. I want the faith that Ruth had with Naomi. Wherever you go, I will go. Your God shall be my God. And the Lord said, mm, mm, mm. mm your prayers is going to be answered because you will be in the line of Jesus, my son. And the book of Ruth has become one of the greatest lessons of what the church is long before the church was announced. The world's all about having fun. How's that working out for them? The United States has all kinds of, we're the number one in so many categories. Oh, we're number one sometimes. Just not the way that we like sometimes. But I'll tell you this. I want to be like that, that elderly lady that, that had barely anything to eat. They put a piece of moldy bread in front of her. And she says, this and Jesus too, I'm rich. That's the kind of faith I want. I want to be the kind of faith that literally all I got to do is just touch his garment. I want to be the kind of faith that says, I got two mites, here they are. Man, that person's in Scripture. I mean, she's probably going to walk around and go, yeah, that's me. I was a person of the two mites. She probably won't. She probably doesn't want to be recognized. But the thing is, she made the Scripture. And by the way, I'm going to tell you this right now. Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and always and, 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 and because he's God. And, and there's no shadow or turning. You, re- you ready? When If God did those things through David and all of those Ruth and all of Hannah and all of the Mary, the, 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 the women, all that. Do you know why they're in there? They're not in there because somehow they were on a special category. They're in there saying if God moved through them in their lives as they lived on this planet, he's in the business of doing the same thing through our lives because we're on this planet now. But you cannot be transformed if you're not in his word. He designed it that way. And by the way, the written word is the gateway to the living word, which is Jesus Christ. When he returns in Revelation 19, he shall have tattooed on his thigh the word of God. Mm. Hebrews chapter 5, this is dear to me. As I read the word, sometimes the Lord disciplines me, and I promise you I am almost done. I will not go as long as I did last time. Um, Sometimes the Lord chastens. Here's what the scripture says. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the Father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening... Of which all have become partakers, then you are legitimate sons. Folks, if I read his word and I get, oh, thank you, chasten me because a father does that. Discipline me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Comfort how? Protect me from the wild animals, but grab me around the neck. If I need to be dragged. And God, when he chastens and disciplines, does not do it to destroy us. It does it so that we recognize and confess truthfully what's going on. And then he says, now that we've come to the right place and you understand, now let me begin to heal you and fix you. Hmm. So Yeah. A lot of people avoid the word because they're afraid to open it up. It's like what Mark Twain says. I don't have a problem with the things I don't understand about the Bible. It's the things I do understand I have a problem with. Because if you open these books, you might actually say, "Mm," but do it. Because if we are locked in strongholds of sin, do you understand we're only in pain, hurting ourselves? I don't ever want to look at another person and ever gossip about them because somehow I think I'm not worth as much as they are. Man, that's painful. We're, God loves us. We're equal. So what if they've got all these gifts? I've got what the Lord's given me and that's enough for me to worry about and think about. Got it? I don't need to, oh, I'm not beautiful. Like, who cares? Do you know if so good so in conclusion every good thing comes from the Lord so I would walk out of my Bible study and I would start thinking okay let's get a list going what are all the good things I know that have come from the father of lights first of all I have a father this is father's day right Let's just all realize that the ultimate father is God. Ready? For the father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten what? Son. Now, the father Son, in Christ, the three in one, but it was the father's will. Who draw, drew you unto Christ? The father. <sighs> I love Father's Day, not because I am one and I'm going to get a lunch today and a card and, and this and that, and I'm going to look at the dog and say, this is my day. It's not because of that. It's because I'm, at the end of the day, I'm a little child who needs his, who needs his father. All right. I would start making a list. Well, real quick list. Hmm. My wife, my children, the air I breathe. My ability to love. The fact that I've been disciplined and the Lord has softened my heart in places. I live in a place where I can worship freely. How long could I go? I've been given the ability to sing well, better than anybody else. Nope. cares? You know what that means? That means I get to enjoy somebody else who does and learn that I need community. I'm not alone. God has given all of us different things. Why? So that we can see the goodness of God in all of our lives. I'd make a long list. And by the way, you start making that list and you start realizing that every good thing I have comes from God. The next thing that happens is, where's room for pride? I did it. Really? I preached the sermon. Really? Who gave you the ability to speak? God. Father. Who gave you the ability to read? Father. Who gave you the ability to stand up? Father. Who gave you even the operative? Father. Do you hear the word Glenn in there anywhere? No. Then give credit where credit is due. All I have that is good comes from my father. And once I embrace that, I am no longer a fatherless child. The four P's. Let me challenge you encourage you. Get in the word of God. Not out of the guilt trip. Because there's life. And will you, when you learn something, will you share it with me? Because you may have the words in my next study. I need you. We need each other. We're the community of Christ. And if we gave to each other and spoke to each other in those ways, the world walked in here and visitors walk in there We go, these people love each other. They may not stay because that's, they may not want to be in a community of love, but, by, but, but I will tell you this, the scent of Christ will be smelled. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's pray.